Hi, my name is Pete Scazzaro. I want to welcome you today to the Emotionally Healthy Leader Podcast. Great to be with you. And our theme today is Practice Sabbath Delight Part 2. Practice Sabbath Delight Part 2. And the reason there's two parts is because this issue of Sabbath is so critical. And actually, I might go as far as to say it's almost like a life and death issue for you and uh, your ministry and your, and your leadership. And uh, you'll need to talk about this with some other people. And so, again, I want to invite you to download our EH uh, Leader Discussion Guide. It's free from our website at EmotionallyHealthy.org, EH Leader Guide. That's EmotionallyHealthy.org slash EH Leader Guide. And this issue of Sabbath is so uh, subversive. It's so powerful. It's so large. Uh, It's one of the great gifts uh, of bringing emotionally healthy discipleship to your church and your leadership. So I took two weeks on this because uh, it's there's so much to share. And last week, I, I gave you a sermon uh, called Sabbath, God's Foundation for Our Work. It came out of a series on work uh, and how Sabbath fits into that. So listen to it if you haven't, because I'm not going to repeat that. But this week, I want to talk to you about, in particular, uh, the nuances and related applications uh of Sabbath, and I want to especially answer a number of FAQs that go along with it. So let me just begin by defining Sabbath again. It's, it's a 24-hour time frame without any anxiety or have-tos, and it revolves around two key texts, Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy chapter 5, and uh, it, it's meant to be a day, a 24-hour period that's different than the other six days. Uh, it has a container to it, Now, I like the word container, uh, and that says one rabbi uh, this you know shared in Israel about why they do and have a, why, do, why they do that Sabbath so differently in Israel or in, in Hasidic communities because they want to protect its beauty, its safety, and the gift of God that's within it. So it's not legalism for them at all. It's very much a protective container. And so we're talking about uh, we want to create containers for ourselves uh, as we lead other people. Now, again, we're talking about Sabbath as a spiritual practice, not a legalism here. Uh, again, legalism is rely, relying on our own obedience to get acceptance from God. That's what not what this is about, and that it turned into that during the days of Jesus. Uh, and Jesus, of course, did not dispense with Sabbath, but he did restore it to its original purpose, which was he said, you are not made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for you as a gift, Mark 2.27. And Paul talked about not turning into a legalism in Colossians 2 as well. Don't let anyone judge you by, he gives a bunch of things there, which you eat or drink, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things to come. The reality, however, he writes, is found in Christ. So Jesus is what we're always about. Uh, But this is a gift given for us as a spiritual practice. Uh, So it's not irrelevant. We call that licentiousness. And that is, um, we completely disregard it. Um, I I would consider this, again, it's a spiritual discipline. And uh, that's important. Now, we're not saved by Bible study. We're saved by Jesus. We're not saved by prayer. We're saved by Jesus. We're not saved by worship and fellowship. We're saved by Jesus. But if you're not praying, if you're not reading scripture, if you're not in fellowship or part of a a body in worship, uh, you're probably not growing very much. So in the same way, we're not saved by Sabbath. But if you're not Sabbathing, you're probably too busy. Uh, You have too much going on. And uh, and so what I did, again, in 2003... Uh, 2004, I did this massive study on Sabbath, and I broke it down to four elements of what, how do I structure a Sabbath, since we're all living separately, we're not living in Hasidic or monastic communities, uh, how do I structure a Sabbath that fits me? And so I came up with four 
key elements, core elements. Uh, stop, I stop my work, paid and unpaid. <clears throat> I rest, secondly, I, I, I rest from hurrying and goals and, uh, you know, I take a rest physically, emotionally, uh, you know, I'm not multitasking. Thirdly, I delight. That's the key word in this, that which 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 keeps it from becoming a yoke that's heavy. It's uh, and I contemplate. I, I see the invisible God in the visible world around me, from people to places to uh, creation. You name it. Stop, rest, delight, contemplate. But the key word is delight. And uh, a friend of mine, Christine, she was. Uh, with some friends in Jerusalem on uh, a Friday afternoon when a group of teenage boys ran out of uh, school singing and shouting. And she wondered at first, like, what's wrong that they're yelling? And she didn't understand Hebrew. And she asked the waiter, and the waiter said, no, no, they're just so happy it will soon be Sabbath. And she she said, happy about the Sabbath? Because she wasn't sure she heard them, right? She goes, yeah, yeah. She, the waiter said, they're welcoming the Sabbath with this shouting and songs. Uh, and, you know, she said it was like they were going to Disney World or the Magic Kingdom. Can you imagine looking forward to the Sabbath with that kind of joy and delight? And actually, it was uh, the German theologian Jürgen Moltmann who first introduced me to this notion of Sabbath as play. He wrote a book called The Theology of Play. And he asked the question, why did God create uh, a universe uh like he did, and uh, if he's a free and sufficient being. And, he, and his answer, rooted in the book of Proverbs, is that we observe God playing when he made the world. And, uh, and he writes things like, you know, Proverbs, you know, God, uh, I, God writes, I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing always in his presence, rejoicing in his whole world, delighting in humankind. And, and, and God just creates this incredibly overabundance of seeds and that will never germinate and leaves on trees with brilliant colors in autumn and these incredible species of, of fish that swim deep in the ocean that we'll never even see. Uh, every flower remains beautiful even when no one's looking and all that's just simply to be, to be enjoyed. And as one theologian has added, if you're not sure God's playful, just look at some of his creatures like the, you know, platypus or ostrich or giraffe and lions or cats. I mean, the very sight of them makes us just smile and laugh like children, as theologian wrote, right? And so Moltmann's point is that as creatures made in the image of God, we are to reflect God by playing an element of our life, not just work, but we play. And uh, Moltmann talks about play as engaging in a variety of games that we tap in. When we do that, we tap into the joy of God. And and uh, that's why game, you know, board games can be so helpful because we're not accomplishing anything. And uh, this kind of play points to this joy at the end of history when we see Jesus face to face and all sin and uh, death will be wiped away. And uh, play offers us a taste of eternity and uh, we're playing into the future, as Moltmann talks about in his book, The Theology of Play. It's very fascinating. But for most of us as leaders and pastors, we're, we're not good at play. Um, in fact, we're a lot more serious, perhaps, than even God is. And, and a play's been really difficult for me. It, it goes against my genogram, my family of origin, my shadow. Uh, we worked, we worked, we worked. That was my family. And, uh, and in fact, all the churches I attended pretty much were uh, definitely not into play uh, or Sabbath. They were working churches. And uh, it was, why waste time? There's so much work to do for God. <clears throat> and so learning to Sabbath has been a really significant part of my discipleship. <clears throat> and learning to play, 
uh, has been, uh, and I'm still growing in it, to become a healthy Christ follower and leader. And uh, <clears throat> play, it, it's important because, and, and the light's important because it's an indicator that we really do believe life is more than work. And it balances us from getting so serious and so focused uh, on our purposes. And we, we can become more relaxed and less uptight and more trusting in the sovereignty of God and more alert to integrate, hopefully, by God's grace, playfulness into the other days of our life. I like what Murray Bowen used to say about, no, Murray Bowen and um, <clears throat> Ed Friedman used to say about highly differentiated people are playful. They're able to laugh and be playful, even sometimes in situations that are tense and uh, wonderful. It's like, again, so back to Sabbath, and Sabbath is like an oil light in a car that comes on. If I'm not uh, integrating Sabbath well or sufficiently, or I meet someone, a pastor or a leader who's not Sabbathing, it's an oil light for me that they're too busy, something's off kilter, let's open up the hood of the car and find out what's going on on the inside in their life. For sure, Sabbath breaks our addiction to doing and producing and accomplishing. I, I like to call it, it's like getting off crack, getting off heroin. Uh, it can be incredibly difficult to stop. I've had people have physical reactions, the thought of stopping. Uh, but it really does help us embrace our humanity, our finiteness, and our vulnerabilities. And and uh, so let me just say a couple of more comments, kind of broad thoughts on, on Sabbath. And then I want to go into a number of FAQs that are asked to me by uh, leaders and people around Sabbath. And But let me, again, a couple of more things I want to just mention uh, because they're just important. Uh, this issue of spiritual warfare and, and Sabbath. Uh, this, this issue of Sabbath and your relationship to Sabbath isn't just about you. Uh, it has to do with powers and principalities that define us and define people by what they do and what they produce. Walter Brueggemann's written a fantastic book called Sabbath as Resistance, and I encourage you to pick it up. Because when we practice Sabbath, and he brings us, all, brings us out so well in his book, we resist powers and principalities. And again, think of the rationale of Deuteronomy 5 on why God gives the command of Sabbath. He goes, you know, observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. And then he says, remember, in Egypt you were slaves. And in ancient times... Uh, in ancient Israel, when they were slaves in Egypt for 400 years, they never had a day off. They worked 365 days a year. Uh, their parents, great-grandparents, great-great-grandparents, great-great-grandparents existed for one reason, and that was to work. They never stopped. And Pharaoh at that time was considered a god, and behind Pharaoh were demonic powers of principalities, enslaving God's people. And so when we Sabbath, uh, we reject the powers and principalities of our culture that say you are what you do, you are what you produce. And if you don't produce enough, enough, uh, why are you even alive? What, what good are you? And we say, no, no, our worth, the worth and value of a human being is the love of God alone. And we actually rest and rest in the gospel on Sabbath. We, that life is more than work, work's important, but life is about God. And I love uh, author and Holocaust survivor Eli Wiesel, who attests to this aspect of Sabbath as resistance when he describes how Sabbath was observed and it persisted even in the horrors of the concentration camps. Uh, and he writes about a Lithuanian preacher who wandered uh, every Friday night 
and he would smile and say to people, brother Jew, don't forget it's Shabbat. And he wanted to remind them that Shabbat, Sabbath reigned over time and over the, the concentration camps that the Nazis and this evil did not own them, God did. And I think it's such an important theology to, to come into it for yourself and for those that you lead, or lead because we want to say, follow me as I follow Christ. We set pace, we set rhythms, but I'm very aware that as I engage in Sabbath, I'm doing it not simply for myself, but for my family, our community, our church, uh, by the grace of God for the world. It's one of the ways that we are a sign and wonder that point people to Jesus. And that's why uh, for years when I was lead pastor at New Life Fellowship, and it's still that way today, if you're if you're, if you're a, on pastoral staff and you're not Sabbathing, uh, you're not going to work here. Why? Because we'll fire you because you're not a good model of the kind of culture we want to produce that we're a balance of being and doing. Um, we do out of our being with Jesus, and we trust him to build his church. We're not anxiously making it happen. And if someone is uh, on, who's you know, a pastoral staff modeling the kind of life we want to lead and uh, their lives are out of control, it contradicts everything we're speaking from that pulpit. So again, Sabbath is an oil light. That's important. Uh, one more thing I want to just mention before I get into all the FAQs. Uh, I want to invite you to reframe your vacations and getaways as short sabbaticals or longer Sabbaths. Uh, now, again, in ancient Israel, they had three major festivals a year where they would uh, leave their agrarian, their agrarian society farms. And they would go to Jerusalem for uh, their feasts, uh, and uh, you know these were like longer sabbats for them. Uh, in the same way, it's built into every country and every culture. And I know you're listening here from all over the world. We have holidays, national holidays. We just came out of one here in the United States, uh, July Fourth uh, weekend, and so I took a four day uh, Sabbath. It was fantastic. Um, I stretched my Sabbath into four days, very much stop, delight, you know, stop, rest, delight, contemplate, and uh, avoided work, paid and unpaid. And I just picked it up here this morning uh, as I've come back. But I just had a, a wonderful time, and my, my body just feels it. Uh, it was fantastic. Uh, and at the same time, so I want to encourage you, to, whether it's an extra day off here, an extra day off there, uh, consider it a longer Sabbath. But then also I want to talk to you about sabbaticals uh, for just a moment, because if you're going to serve Jesus long term, I'm talking about your life, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years, that the principle of sabbatical years that Israel had uh, is a great one for us, especially if you are a pastor leader and you have the ability uh, to lead your people to understand the importance of sabbaticals, you're doing yourself and the people you lead a great service. Now, a sabbatical uh, is a, I'll call it a three to four month block of time that you actually apply the same principle of Sabbath to three to four months, 14, 15, 16 weeks. And again, it comes out of the principle of Israel every seventh year that they were to rest the soil, not to work that seventh year. And God said, I'll provide for you double to take care of you. Uh, but the land needed nutrients in, to be you know, pumped into it by God when it was fallow, when it was not being used. There are things God can do in us when we're Sabbathing or having a sabbatical that he can't do any other way. Uh, now, I've had three sabbaticals so far, uh, every seven to eight years, and each one was a significant shift in my life. Um, 
uh, in ways I couldn't even foresee prior to going into them. Uh, the first one was came out of my own crisis. That was the emotional health journey launching in 1996. My second one was a monastic contemplative sabbatical uh, seven years later, 2003. My third one was when I did succession at New Life Fellowship Church the year before. Uh, that was in 2012. And then I'm actually having a, a fourth one uh, next summer. Uh, and uh, as another kind of transition I'm in uh, here, and just but I know my body feels the need for. It's kind of it's kind of built into my body. I've had three. But so many so often what happens is people, pastors and leaders in particular, will will leave their ministry and go to another one because they're just tired. They feel like I've hit a wall here and I need to retool or go somewhere else and I'm not taking this place anywhere. And uh and, it's, and, and that's very normal. But so not all the time, but often a sabbatical gives perspective uh, and and that kind of a new beginning that you need. Now, again, there's a way to structure sabbaticals. It's not, it's not just a vacation. Uh, there may be a part of it, but it's actually you're stopping, you're resting, you're delighting, you're, you're, you're drinking in God, but not for the sake of leading other people, simply to drink in God for you. But out of that's going to come, of course, life for other people. It takes such discipline to go on a sabbatical. It takes enormous discipline um, and planning. Uh, it looks like you're being lazy. I mean, it's a theology and it is a discipline. I mean, I'm aware. I, I wanted to skip this next sabbatical. I'm like, I don't need one. I'm, I'm, I'm not the lead pastor anymore. I'm running emotional healthy discipleship. I'm like, I'm part time at our church, but I'm not carrying nearly the weight of responsibility I was carrying then. And then I realized, oh, Pete, how foolish. Um, and I, I just, I need it. And so it's going to take me the next, you know, nine, ten months to prepare for it. Uh, and but I can see already. Once the decision was made, I brought it to our board. I said, "Wow, this is going to be you know just life changing." Again, I'm modeling. You, we do out of our being, and people around you. You can hear all the voices, especially if you come out of a genogram or a family of origin like I do. You're not working. You're a bum. You know what good is it that you exist? You have no right to exist, and all those voices. He doesn't get a sabbatical. She doesn't get a sabbatical. Uh, but again, if we're we're giving out spiritually. Uh, to feed other people, there's a lot coming out of your soil, and we need you to have a cup that's overflowing with Jesus. And uh, if you're going to go 30, 40, 50, 60 years uh, full of Jesus, full of creativity, um, you, you need it. Uh, you're not God. You're a human being with limits. With that, let's go into now our FAQs. And um, let me begin with some of the uh, common ones. Uh, that are asked, and then I'll go into some of the particular pastoral ones. So how do I go about, number one, how do I go about deciding which activities are acceptable and unacceptable about Sabbath? And so your pathway is going to be different than mine or the person, you know, on your team because God's made you unique and what brings you delight may not bring them delight. And your life situation and calling may be different than theirs. And so you want to ask yourself, what do I need, what do, what do I need to stop that relates to my work paid, non-paid? So for example, I don't pay bills on Sabbath, not that rich. Um, I'm not really a handy guy around the house in terms of fixing things. Like that's work for me. Uh, yard work, you know, mowing the lawn, that's work. Uh, and so you got to determine what's work for you. You know, cooking meals, not a Sabbath activity for me. You know, we're going to go out to eat. Uh, for Jerry, she loves to cook. And sometimes on a Sabbath, we'll cook a really wonderful meal. But the question is, what creates, the real question is also, what creates delight for you and rest for you? And, um, you know, for, for me, it, you know, I love books. I love music. I love art. 
Uh, I love nature. I've learned that because that's what Jerry loves. And over the years, I've come to love nature. Can't live without it. But I also love the city. Uh, and I love going into uh, Manhattan in New York City and just walking around or going to a play or going to a museum. But you got to ask yourself, what, the, what, are, what are the kind of things to do that create delight uh, for me? And how do I structure the, a day, a 24-hour day for that? And so I can see God's goodness and miracles all around me. And again, that takes practice and discernment. And I remember Jerry and I took up gardening, thinking that would be a delight on a Sabbath activity with a little very small, we had a very small little space for a garden. And, uh, but we found ourselves in week three or four, like, pulling out all these weeds and it was just it was exhausting and we looked at each other and said this is this is not delightful and we we quit uh, that was the end of that but for some of you that is going to be your delight and god bless you in that do i need a day off and a sabbath uh well you'll need at least a half a day or several hours to prepare for a sabbath and again if you learn one of the great things you learn from uh Orthodox or Hasidic Jews is, my goodness, the preparation they do for Sabbath is just, they see the Sabbath as, as the culmination of the week, the climax, and everything builds to it. And so, uh, you know, part of the Sabbath experience is preparation. Uh, what needs to happen so you actually can have a Sabbath and what needs to get done, the, the errands and chores of life like food shopping and laundry and cleaning the house and bringing closure to your work and final phone calls and paying bills and to make the Sabbath really restful. So for myself, my Sabbath is Friday night at six till Saturday night at six. Uh, and so on Friday, I, I'm, I'm finishing up work and in the morning, I'm, you know, I'm maybe it's paying bills or any kind of final phone calls. If I'm preaching, I just, I might look at it for another hour or so in the morning, but uh, I'm, I'm going to be done by noon because uh, I just need to, you know, come down off the bit of the adrenaline, maybe get a couple of unpaid work things done, but uh, uh, I, I'm going to have a, I, I got to prepare. And Jerry and I will talk about what are we going to do on Sabbath? We'll think about it in advance. Uh, so ideally, it's great to have a day off, a full day. Um, I like to take all Friday off uh, and then start my Sabbath at six o'clock. And if I'm not preaching on Sunday, I'm going all the way through Sunday morning uh, as well. But again, you got to sort out what, what works best for you. Uh, what do I do about my tendency to perfectionism comes up? Well, obviously the idea of being perfect in Sabbath just kills it when it's supposed to be a gift from God for you. And uh, so you want to ask God's grace for that. Don't get perfectionistic. It's going to take you a long time to figure this thing out. I mean, give yourself six months, I say to people. Uh, and you'll shift with time in different seasons of life. And again, don't get legalistic about it. Something happens, you, you, you miss it. It's not like God's mad at you, but you know, it's, like you, it's just, okay, I, I'm, I missed it. I'm, I, I messed up this time. I'm going to get back on track. I took, think of the book of you know, Genesis and uh, Exodus and Numbers and Levitic Numbers and Deuteronomy and the first five books of the Old Testament. They kind of get it, had to learn in the wilderness about how to do Sabbath. They didn't just get it when they heard it once. Isn't Jesus our Sabbath rest? Is this another works righteousness? Absolutely. Um, he is our righteousness, and uh, you don't want it to turn into a work. Same thing with uh, like prayer or Bible study. What do I do with parenting? Can I cease from parenting? Uh, no. You have diapers to change. You change those diapers. But you want to be creative. Now, our children... Uh, are not small anymore, so it's, yes, it is easier. If you have small children, it's challenging. You know, what do you do? Uh, and so what we did, we would sometimes exchange our kids with other people. We, we began to hire babysitters. Um, we did think of, a, you know, we took, Jerry and I sometimes just took turns. She would take the morning, I would take the afternoon um, to give us some, a break. 
And again, if you have a special needs child or you're caring for an elderly parent, you've got to think it through. What can we do? What's the best we can do right now in light of our situation? What do I do about my children who aren't interested in Sabbath? What's important to remember, it's a day of delight, so you don't want to make it a day of deprivation. Uh, you don't want to be taking, just simply taking things away like, you know, you want to think about things you can add, like a special dessert or a movie or a creative family activity, depending on the ages of your children. Uh, it doesn't have to be a forced family day. Uh, if your children are older, they're going to want to connect with their friends. That's okay. Uh, you're going to go through transitions and keeping Sabbaths, depending on your children's ages and their temperaments. Uh, but you know, our youngest child really got Sabbath because she was young enough when we, we have four girls, uh, you know, she had to do what we did, you know, and, but she came to love Sabbath. It's in her DNA. And I know so many families that with young kids, their kids just, it's in their bones. Uh, my older children eventually got it, uh, but they got it on their own, not because our, they saw it modeled in our family. We did not obligate our teenage kids to do Sabbath. Even sports and extracurricular activities, what do you do with that? That Our children are involved in it. Um, well, the answer is uh, you, you you have to make a decision because there's like, for example, uh, what do you call it? Um, uh, travel teams for different sports that goes on, at least here in the United States. And you could be traveling all over the place on Sabbath. And um, we decided not to do that. And our youngest daughter was quite an athlete, uh, but we did not do travel soccer. She was in a local team. But even the way we did parenting and watching her games we were not the screaming parents. We did it in a Sabbath mode. And, uh, you know, you can just focus on the game and on the parents and people and just enjoy yourself because it's it's Sabbath. How do I exercise compassion on Sabbath without turning it into work? Well, you know what? Remember, Jesus taught, you know, Sabbath is a gift for people. And so he healed on the Sabbath. And so you don't, don't want to be, oh, I'm not going to share the gospel with you because it's Sabbath or uh you know, questions come up, well, which day is the best? Is it Saturday or Sunday? And I've heard different views. And again, Romans 14, Paul writes, one man considers one day more sacred than another. Uh, each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. And, uh, you know, basically, uh, don't get bent out of shape with that one. And so uh, the big question that comes up often with pastors and leaders is, I am bivocational. Uh, so I'm working a full-time job and I am pastoring a church. And so I've got two full-time jobs, and I am exhausted. I can't imagine where I would ever find time for a Sabbath. And I will just say to you, um, it, it's thorny. So there's no simple answers, and I would need to talk with you about your specific situation. But here's some principles. There is the theological principle of limits. Again, uh, God has given you limits physically and emotionally and spiritually. So you're right. You cannot work an 80-hour week. So some things have to Give. So I don't know the nature of your job. Some people have a, a vocational job uh, where there's lots of flexibility. Maybe they're self-employed or the kind of job where they can do other stuff at their job, like prepare sermons or whatever. It, but if you've got a highly taxing vocational job uh, and then you got, you're pastoring a church and if you don't have a strong team, it's too much. And so you've got something has to rub there. Either get another vocational job or that's not possible. You've got to then think through how you're going to do the church differently. And I've talked to folks about getting a, a, it means you have to have a team, uh, team preachers, uh, maybe a co-pastor, maybe your role needs to shift in the church plant. But again, it depends on your family or your particular temperament, uh, but limits, that's the key thing. You, you, you're, I've seen people have put before me just a few weeks ago, everything they're doing in their job uh, and then everything they're doing as the, as the pastor of the, of the church. And it was, it would take 
you know, three people to do the, that, not just one. And uh, so you've got to sort that out. Probably one of the biggest things is to slow down and uh, trust God with the pace of this thing and uh, not try to do it all like this year and uh, embrace the limits God's given you as a gift uh, rather than fighting them. But I can assure you this, that God built you for a rhythm in your days and a rhythm in your weeks. Uh, and Sabbath is something you need, you know, it's something God built you for. And uh, when you violate it, uh, you violate partially how God made you. And I like the way, you know, H.H. Farmer said it, if you go against the grain of the universe, you get splinters. What do I do if my spouse has a different day off uh, than I do? Uh, what do I do on Sabbath? The spouses don't have to do Sabbath together. So uh, that's not a requirement, obviously. It's nice that you can. And, and what you're going to find out is you have different interests. What's going to give them rest and delight is going to be different than yourself. And so then you got to negotiate that. And Jerry, sometimes we go our different ways. That's all good. Um, so again, don't be legalistic about it. What about if I'm retired um, and uh, so I don't, I don't work any, ever? And I would say, first of all, we don't retire in the body of Christ. We transition out of paid employment. Uh, we're always in full-time ministry till we die. And I would encourage you, unemployed or not, that, that a student, you're, you have a Sabbath. Uh, you have a 24-hour period. You set apart to stop, rest, delight, contemplate God. How do I introduce Sabbath to the whole church? Now, again, it's part of the Emotionally Healthy Discipleship course. Is uh, One of the sessions is called Discover the Rhythms of the Daily Office and Sabbath. And the daily office is like a mini Sabbath during the day. Uh, but we're, you're introducing to the culture Sabbath. And uh, so I would encourage, of course, that is one way to keep it in the culture. Uh, I would encourage you to do a sermon series on it. We once did a Lenten initiative uh, for seven to eight weeks. We had uh, not just sermons on different aspects of Sabbath. I mean, you could do stop as a whole sermon. You rest, delight, contemplate. We had a panel of single people and moms at home and unemployed people and retired people and folks who were executives, folks who were social workers, all types of people and how they work on Sabbath to give people lots of different models. We did T-shirts. We sold candles. Uh, and we encouraged people to do it either either Friday night, 6 to 6, or, or Saturday night um, or, or all day Sunday. And uh, it, it was fantastic. But again, it's it's a one shot. It's great. How do you keep it in the culture long term? That's gonna that's where you get back to leadership. Uh, and I would encourage you to start with yourself. Uh, lead by example. Follow me as I follow Christ. And you know, share out of your 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 failures with Sabbath as well. And and because you see, if we can't slow down and trust God with running the world, it's like giving. I can't in, I can't encourage you to give. Because uh, I know you give, God gives back to you, right, financially. We teach that and preach it. Well, same thing goes with slowing down for Sabbath. You can trust God that he's going to take care of life if I Sabbath. Everything will be okay. And I would encourage you to add this to your supervision of volunteers as well. How's it going with Sabbath? Because that's the way you're going to slowly build it into the culture and uh, slow down so that God may do more long term. So, again, let me in in encourage you. There's a great book called uh, Some Next Steps, Way Mueller. Uh, written a book called Sabbath. Uh, it's called Sabbath. It's a great book. Emotionally Healthy Leader has a the chapter on Sabbath, I think, is, you know, really fills out uh, a theology of Sabbath along with emotionally healthy spirituality. Uh, you need to talk with other people about it. Absolutely. I would use the EH Emotionally Healthy Leader discussion guide that's on our website for free to download at emotionallyhealthy.org slash EH Leader Guide. Check that out um, and talk about it with some people. But listen, it's been great to be with you. Uh, I know you've got probably some other questions. Feel free to 
send me a message on Facebook or Twitter. Be glad to respond uh, as I'm able uh, in a few words. But uh, bless you and you have a great day and may God uh, guide you into his Sabbath rests in a way that your life may be a gift to all those you touch. So God bless everybody. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. Mm-hmm.